Welcome back to What the HR Podcast. I'm Jesse Novi, an HR business partner with CH Robinson. And I'm Mike Tool, HR technology consultant with SAP SuccessFactors. Welcome back to another episode of What the HR. Mike and I are here together today and joined by Chris Denton, who is the Senior Director of Corporate Programming for an organization called Not Me. Not Me provides assault prevention and safety classes for all ages. They start as young as our pre-Ks and they go all the way up uh, to us professional adults. They provide unique life-changing training programs that convey more than just instruction. It delivers a new level of impactful personal safety awareness designed to empower people with prevention savvy. As somebody who has had the opportunity to participate in the Not Me training program, I can tell you all that this is not your typical assault prevention training. They go above and beyond. And I won't uh, give too much information here because we cover um, an incredible amount of really helpful information through our conversation that we have with Chris today. But if you're wondering why we're covering a topic like this on an HR podcast, I want you to keep listening and learn more about why bringing this information back to your organization is important and how impactful a company investing in a program like this with their organization um, can be to the organization from a retention perspective, a morale perspective, and just the perspective of feeling like, gosh, you know, my organization really cares about me and my safety and the safety of my family and my friends and those around me, because I can guarantee you that after going through this program, you're going to want to encourage everybody that crosses paths with you to participate in this program and gain the knowledge and information that Not Me provides. So hope you enjoy this episode um, and, and learning more about Chris and what they do at the Not Me organization as much as Mike and I did. As always, if you um, are loving the episode, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. If you have uh, folks that you would like us to interview, topics you would like us to cover, please always reach out to us. You can contact us via email at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcsherm.org. All right, let's get into the episode. All right. Well, Chris, so great to have you at the What the HR podcast. Thank you so much for joining Mike and I today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here and to share a little more. We are as well. At the uh, top of the podcast episode, I gave our listeners a brief description and, and bio of you, but I would love for you to share a little bit more about you, you know, both personally and professionally. And then if you could also share with our listeners what brought you to Not Me and share a little bit about the company's objectives and mission and values. Sure. Yes, I'm I'm grateful to be able to do that. So I have, I live in Chanhassen, Minnesota, and I have a corporate background. Um, I've worked here in the Twin Cities um, for the last 20 years in a, in a corporate role of sorts, and then became an entrepreneur. I have two older kids who are my stepsons who are 26 and 30. And then I am married um, to my husband, who's a um, local executive in town as well. And we have two younger kids who are 13 and 17. We adopted them from Guatemala. So um, being raised in the corporate environment, I, you know, I love all the things, but didn't really like the 
the lifestyle of going into an office every day. And it's funny how that has changed now with the pandemic and COVID. But um, several years ago, I was looking for other things to do that would give me a more flexible lifestyle. And that's when I came across Not Me. And so Not Me LLC is out of Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and we are small. We are a tiny little sexual assault prevention training company with just about, gosh, there's probably six to eight of us. Um, And what happened is that I went to a a training with my daughter. So she's now a senior in high school. This was a couple of years ago. And I heard about this through the, you know, the mom groups that there was this um, assault prevention class. And I took her probably earlier than most do, but I, I took her to this class and I got so much out of it personally that I went up to the owner and asked how I could get involved as a volunteer to help get it into other schools you know, and here we are today. So I'm their senior director of corporate development. And so what I do essentially is we all kind of do everything because we're so small, but what I do is I work with corporations and to help bring the, the programming into a corporation. We also obviously work in schools. Um, that's where it's most important clearly, but I, just don't have the patience with working with schools. So I do much better in the corporate environment. And so I work with associations, groups, um, like women's groups, corporate events, conferences, and I will do all the development and booking and and sales um, on that arm. And that's really where my my passion is. Um, I do have a personal story around this. And most of us that are involved on the training um, side of the company, we've had an experience with sexual assault, um, either through a friend or personally. And, you know, I I think one in two women have, we say one in six, but that's what's reported. So I think it's more like one in two. So I was um, raped when I was in my mid twenties. And so I didn't know any of this stuff. I didn't know any of these, these things that, I mean, I was already through school, was educated, was in the professional world, you know? And so, um, it, it, if I would have known some of these things, I could have avoided it. And if my colleagues and friends would have known some of these things, they maybe could have helped me. So I just have such a passion for it. Um, I'm very open with my story as all of us are. And, um, we love to go out and help women and men to be safer and to help kids to be safer as well. Um, I will give you a little background on the company because I think that's important to know too. A lot of people think that we're like just a self-defense company and we're not. So the owner is Al Horner. Um, He's a local um, Eden Prairie, former Navy SEAL. And so he has created, he created this for one of his buddies who had a daughter going off to college and she wanted some moves she could do before she went to college. And he taught her 12 moves that anyone can do that would help her get away from a potential assaulter. And she ended up having a situation where there was an attempted assault or rape and she got out of it. And she, when she went home, she told the owner, um, Mr. Horner that, you know, she had used the move and she got away. And then he just had this aha moment, like, oh my gosh, if that helps her think about all these other people I could help. So he started just helping his local Minneapolis friends, really his colleagues with their families. And then it was their wives and then it was their other kids. And then it got into the workplace. And then he started finding other, um, mostly women who wanted to um, be a part of, of helping to train. And so while you do learn moves to 
create surprise and get away. You learn all the psychology behind the assault. So you really can use your, your brain and your gut to make the right decisions that you need to make. And so, so here we are today. And now we train all the way from pre-K little ones in a 15 minute session, all the way through adult professional men. So we've come a long way. Yeah. Incredible. And, you know, I have a personal story as as Chris is aware, but I'll share with our listeners with not me as well. I'll share that here briefly, and then we can transition into why are, you know, if, if some of our listeners are wondering, like, why as an HR professional, am I listening to a podcast on sexual assault? How is this applicable to me? Or how is it applicable to, applicable to my business? We'll transition into that and kind of make this real life for them and things that, you know, you and your colleagues have done at Not Me to help organizations pre-COVID um, and also during the pandemic and ki- kind of what that looks like even beyond um, so I had gotten exposure to not me through a network of mine and mine was not through a corporate environment. It was kind of through like a small women's group. And we, we pulled, there was probably, a, I don't know, eight to 11 of us that we pulled together um, in the basement of, of one of the women's homes. And I will say from personal experience, not only were the 12 moves incredibly beneficial, but to the point that you made, Chris, about the information and the stories and the examples that were shared and, you know, how we should transition sort of our thinking or our mindset if we are ever put into those, one of those unfortunate situations um, also was incredibly beneficial and you can't even really put a price tag, frankly, on, on that information. And I'll also share that, um, you know, that I experienced the not me program probably about 12 years ago, and I could definitely use a refresher. So I'll also share with our listeners that if you've ever been through a program like this before, or maybe you're familiar with not me, um, that I personally see benefit in, in, refreshing your skills and and your memory and your information and the information that you collect during that session, because we sometimes go about our, our day-to-day lives. And if we don't have to use it, we lose it sometimes. So um, thank you to the not me um, organization and everything that you guys are doing. And that is one of the, you know, the reasons why I was so excited to have you today to share your personal story, share my personal story and get um, all of the great work that you guys do out to our community. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So if you could maybe transition into, um, you know, for our listeners who are predominantly HR professionals, why this information is important for them to hear and how not me could be a great, you know, resource for them to bring back to their executives, to their HR team, if they have women's groups um, that maybe they help support, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. And that, that's my, that's my sweet spot. So that's why, you know, I, I focus more on the corporate side and, and I'll just, I'll tell you some stories too, of what I've seen and some of the feedback that we've gotten. But if you think about it and, and I, you know, I've never been in the HR role before, but I've worked for major fortune 500 companies. So, you know, I do understand it and I understand it from an employee perspective too. And if you think about all the things that might do as employee perks, right? So. Um, you know, there's a lot of parties around athletic events and a lot of parties around alcohol. And 
there's a lot of gatherings around, um, you know, Halloween or St. Patrick's Day or a barbecue out, out back. And all of those things are fantastic. But the bonding and the, like the, just the connection that takes place during a not me event in the corporate structure is, it's just, it leaves you speechless because what employees walk away from is they feel protected. They feel valued. They feel maybe more connected to their neighbor. You know, a lot of the, the men that attend, they understand women better and there's a different relationship in the workplace. I've just seen such great things come out of the class um, because typically we'll go, you know, it's not something we're going to do every month, obviously. So typically we'll go back annually because you do need a refresher. I even need a refresher. Um, Jess, you're right. I mean, I, we weren't doing trainings during the pandemic that we're still in, but we haven't been doing as many. And I just had one last week and I was even rusty. Like I needed the refresher. So typically companies have us come in once a year, I would say, or maybe twice a year for different groups. But what happens is that it's also an opportunity for employees to invite in their family and it can be a family event. I've seen some businesses where they do it as a client event. Like instead of going out to the the sporting event party or the dinner with drinks, right? They'll have a a sexual assault prevention training offered as a client event. And it brings people together because there's, it's actually a very difficult topic and it's very serious, but it's really entertaining. Our trainers are fantastic and it's actually kind of funny. There's jokes that are made. Like it's not just serious and dry. It's, it's edutainment, we call it. Um, so as an HR professional, I just think it's something different to bring into the workplace than what everyone's so used to. And they actually will be more able, they will be, every single employee will be able to show up in the world and in the workplace, just a little smarter and a little safer. And if you go even deeper, I mean, uh, most of your female employees have been sexually assaulted, unfortunately, and and some of your male um, employees. I mean, that's that's just the statistics. One in six women have been assaulted, but that's what's reported. You know, so like I was saying at the beginning, we know it's a lot more. And so when you have all of the psychology and the information, um, and really what happens in an assault and why it happens in this class as a group, as a community, as a company. There's just a, there's a different respect that happens um, between people and you'll just find that it, it actually helps with mental health down the mm-hmm. line. Um, I think that, you know, some people feel heard because in our, in our class, we know a lot of the women have been assaulted. So we will, you know, say it's not, it's not your fault. It was not your fault. It will never be your fault. Mm-hmm. So there's just this comfort that happens with those women. And then, um, what I really like that comes out of it, and then I'll you know pass it back to you, Jess. But is that we've had um, major corporations where, like, the head of VP or the VP of HR will kind of introduce the class and maybe tell a personal story and say, "This is really important to me. I really want you here." So then everyone knows, you know, that they're valued, and the top execs kind of validated that, and then. What's great is that after the class, the discussions that happen are, those are the lifesavers. So now these departments start having discussions about, did you know that we actually have security officers available that can, who can walk you to your car? 
Mm -hmm. Um, Did you know that when you travel, you're able to work with our security team to make sure that you're on the right floor and in the right city and at the right hotel, so where you're protected in these other countries? Um, Did you know that we we have a policy for when you work late at night and where we want you to park? Like, There's all these conversations that come up after the class that never happened before that help keep the employee base safer. And when an employee base feels safer, they just feel more valued. And then it spirals because then they take it home and they tell their wife or they tell their daughter or they tell their buddy who then brings us into his company. And it just creates that awareness that it's just not out there unless you sit in the class for a couple hours. So I've just seen wonderful things on the corporate side that go way beyond what we teach. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't travel as much in my current job, but earlier on in my career, um, I, I did uh, campus recruiting and I traveled a lot. And I think to myself, gosh, if the organization that I had worked for at that time had invested in some education and or, or training like a not me in that situation, especially, you know, not only as a female, but I was a young professional. I hadn't traveled professionally for a job. You kind of don't know what you don't know, you know, when you're getting yourself into situations where you're walking down dark hotel hall rooms at night and getting in elevators with people that you don't know. And, Um, you know, this was back before the days of Uber, but you know, you're getting in a taxi or relying on people you don't know for transportation. And, um, there were a lot of times where I felt unsafe and wasn't quite sure what I would do, you know, if, if something did happen. And then also as a female, sometimes you wonder, like, is it appropriate to ask my male counterpart to walk me back to my hotel room and make sure that I get there safely and, and things of that nature? So um, there's just I, I really just can't stress to our, our listeners enough, like how valuable this information is and um that I, I hope that they they uh, take this back to some decision makers in their organization and think strongly about how a program like this could benefit their employees and, and impact retention and morale. And you made a point too, Chris, about the fun components of it. And although there were a lot of statistics, statistics and, sh- and stories that were shared that were like heart wrenching and scary and real. Um, we laughed a lot and we had a lot of fun and we took it seriously, but we were also able to kind of make light of it too and and make sure that everybody that was involved had fun with it. So I appreciated that about the way the training was developed. Um, so can you share, um, you know, with our with our listeners, I know, you know, once we are able to get back to some form of normal, every organization is going to look a little bit different. You know, some are probably never going to go back to 100% in office. Some are going to have hybrid programs. Some might be going back to 100% in office. So what is not me doing um, to help kind of accommodate different training scenarios for organizations that, um you know, may not be bringing groups together in a in-person training environment? Well, we have pivoted like everybody else. So we just got back to working again a couple of weeks ago, um, thankfully, and we seem to be doing more hybrid type of training. So where we'll have part of the attendees in person 
with a camera on them so their colleagues can see them and then the other half at home. So our trainers have had to learn how to train to the the computer, right, to the attendees who are at home or at their um, offices, maybe in other locations, and then also to those um, in the room. And then obviously we've had to take into consideration social, social distancing. So, you know, we used to use some props and we used to have a lot more hands on um, and now we don't. So if somebody feels comfortable doing, we teach 12 Navy SEAL moves that um, create surprise and, and overwhelming pain so you can get away. And we typically do those like by touching each other and you doing the actual moves. So we can't do that as much. So we've just had to shift it a little bit. Um, and people can, you know, do the moves with somebody they're comfortable with, or they just do them in the air really. But it hasn't, I mean, that's the only thing that changed. So we're very adaptable um, to whatever the company needs, but we are back to in-person. It's just, we just seem to be having more hybrid options because now it's more of a choice if employees are going back into the office or not. Hey, Chris, so you mentioned that people think of you as, uh, what did you say? Self-defense only, right? Um, what are some of the things that you guys teach within your classes from an informative and decision-making aspect to help with, um, to get people out of certain situations where they may be a victim? Yeah, we have, I would say 80% of the class, the class is two and a half hours long. If you do the whole class, um, some only do an hour based on what they can do. And then we just leave out a lot. But if you were to take the whole class, which we recommend it's two and a half hours, about 80% of that is theory and psychology. And then the 20% is the moves. And so what we're doing is like with anything, if somebody's going to adopt a new behavior, they have to believe that it will work. And so in order for somebody to believe that it will work, they need the statistics and the facts. So we take the first half of the class and we we share information and statistics, you know, from relevant sources. And this is how many people are assaulted. These are the types of assaults. This is where they happen. These are all the statistics and all the information. So we say, you know, everyone wears a seatbelt now. And a lot of people wear helmets and we never used to do that before, right? Well, people don't smoke as much anymore either. And people used to smoke a lot, but now that we have the information we need to believe, you know, the person that's telling us wear a seatbelt, you'll be safe. Don't smoke. You'll be healthier. You know, we follow those rules. And so we have to give the attendees all that information so that they are open to believing what we're going to tell them. And so most people haven't heard that information. They don't really understand the statistics. For example, you know, 90% of assaults are from someone you know or kind of know. We only hear on the news and in the stories and, and you know, in shows about that scary guy, you know, with a knife behind the bushes. That's 10% of the cases. 90% are from someone you know or kind of know. So once you believe me that I'm telling you that because of the facts we pull and we show you all of our data, then then you might be more apt to listen when I say, okay, because you he know he or she right knows or kind of knows you, they're going to respond differently than a total stranger. Um, and so we go through all that information. We also go through those two different types of assaulters. So the one who is, you know, just a crazy lunatic who is looking to harm you, hurt you, murder you, whatever it is. And then that person who, and we say this in the class is 
someone you know or kind of know, and they're they're looking for a sexual release, which isn't just a sexual release, but they're not looking to, they will hurt you. It will hurt you. Obviously we know that, but they're not looking to like kill you and murder you and you'll never be see again. So you deal with that person differently. Right. So we walk through the, like the psyche of those two assaulters and what they're actually looking for from data. We give a lot of information about emergency room cases about um, one of our master trainers was with the um, Brooklyn park police um, force for 16 years, lots of stories about victims and assaults. And, and a lot of people think that, I mean, I was taught this, if somebody's coming at you, you just comply, right? You go, I'm a, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. I'll do anything. And, um, that's actually not the case. Um, 90% of the victims of sexual assault have said that they, if they fight, if they fight hard, yes, they might get hurt, but they're, they're long-term injuries. And, you know, mental issues are a lot less than if they complied. Um, but a lot of people don't know that because they've been taught the wrong thing. So it's, we're stepping through a lot of that and it takes some time because we have to tell the stories and give the data so they understand it. Then once we get to that point of, okay, now you understand how this really works and how it all fits together. Now, what are you going to do when you're in this situation? And what are the 12 moves that you have? And we give 12 because you will be so out of sorts when this happens, if it ever happens, like you won't think straight, right? We go into freeze um, mode, but we give you 12 so that you can pull one out and it can, can help you. But we have to take that time before we get to that place. Here's a here's the thing too is that the whole point of the class is to prevent an assault from happening. We actually don't want you to get to the point where you need the moves. And I bet most people who have been assaulted could tell you that they knew something bad was going to happen and they walked right into it. And it's not their fault and we don't blame them, but they got on the elevator when they were creeped out. You know, they stayed on the date that they shouldn't stay on. They they got in the car with the person they were on a work dinner with when they knew it didn't feel right, right? We often walk right into it. And so if we teach people how to not walk right into it and how to really trust your gut, that's one of our, that's like our number one thing we say is you really need to trust your gut. You won't have to ever use the moves. So that's why we spend so much time on the psychology and the information and the how to prevent so that hopefully you don't ever have to use those pieces, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, trusting your gut is easier said than done sometimes because, you know, to Jess's point, right. It's with, you know, having a coworker walk you to the room or something. You don't want to be rude to your point. It's, it's not oftentimes, it sounds like it's not the people that you would maybe expect. And so there is some level of a relationship. So do you guys help with kind of like getting out of certain situations, things you can say, things you can do. Is that, is that kind of what you're explaining? Yeah, we do. We go through examples of, and it depends on who we're talking to. We customize it to a client. So for example, um, we were, we're working right now and we have in the past with a property management um, company. And so they're training their managers who manage the property who have to show apartments and show places and sometimes go in the basement, sometimes go out back in the garage with 
the, they don't know who the person is, right? So they're at risk. And then we also train their residents because they offer that service to all their residents. So we're talking more about how to protect your space, how to be safe, you know, in your garage, in the elevator, if you're, you know, using the community room or whatever it is. So we do customize it. And then we do give examples of how to get away. Um, this is not so much for men, but a lot of women are taught to be polite, you know, to be, to be kind of tough and, and not be um, worried about anything to be kind and nurturing and, and all of these things were taught. Right. And so we, we unteach a lot of those things about when your personal safety is at risk, like all bets are off. And so we, we actually teach like, how do you walk away um, like from a client meeting, maybe there's alcohol involved and you're uncomfortable. How do you get out of that? What would you say, you know, that would be appropriate or how do you, if you get on the elevator and you're creeped out for whatever reason, you just get off, but we don't, we stay on cause we don't want to offend. You just get off because, and then we teach if this were a female male situation, a, a good male will respect that woman for getting off and protecting herself. That's what he would want his wife, his daughter, his mother to do. You know, if that male is offended, well, she was right then to get off. So we do, we go through all of those um, situations so that they can actually picture. And then what happens in the class too, is a lot of people share and that's nice where they'll say, you know, well, what about this situation? And what about this? And that's where you have the executives and the departments talking about, um, you know, what can we do to make sure everybody feels safer? And instead of not talking about the topic, they talk about it openly where you can always find solutions. Yeah. I really like that piece of it too. You know, inclusivity in the workplace is, has been a hot topic, even more of a hot topic, you know, since the civil unrest, um, kind of started this summer with George Floyd's death and just inclusivity and diversity, obviously. But I think about, you know, myself and other women who work in predominantly um, male-dominated organizations. And I think pulling our male counterparts into these discussions and helping them to be aware of how different it is for us in those situations and how they can be supportive of us in those times where maybe prior to the training, they would never have thought like, gosh, you know, Jesse left the happy hour and walked back to the hotel by herself, you know, in the evening with no streetlights in an f- area that she's unfamiliar with. I should have walked with her or I should have, you know, a couple of us should have walked with her, you know, things of that nature. So Um, I love the idea of pulling executives, um, specifically male executives and male leaders, um, co-workers into these conversations to help support their female counterparts. Um, Mike, was there anything else that you had wanted to add there? Yeah. On on that note too, I, I would be interested to know, do a lot of men take the courses because I do think that although it's not as common, I think it's really helpful for men to understand that in certain situations that um, women may feel uncomfortable. You know, I get on an elevator and and there's, you know, one lady on there. I don't feel any, you know, it doesn't make me nervous, but understanding that these things happen a lot more than I thought before this conversation and knowing that, Hey, you know what, maybe I won't even get on. Cause I, I worry about, making anybody else feel uncomfortable. I don't think guys think like that necessarily. And so I, I was curious if you guys do a specific training on that or if 
we're just encouraged to attend? So we do both. And what's been great is that what's happened is at first this was for young women, um, like teenage women or women going off to college. And then it evolved into um, pre-K through 12th grade. So we got all of the, you know, little ones involved and that training is phenomenal. I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal. It's so empowering. And then it went to women in the workplace and then now it's we are starting to do classes for men. And what's happening is companies are requiring it because they can't just do it for women, right? They have to offer it to everyone. And then we had to figure out, well, how are we going to do this now? Because we have to offer it to everyone. So we do two things. So when, and, and I'll just speak of one client in particular, it was for the they're like working women, working moms group or something like that within the organization. They, they had us come. And then we asked that they invite their male colleagues because it's awesome to have them there. And that's exactly what happens is that these are great guys, you know, great guys, but they, they just have a different appreciation. So one of the stories was that one of the guys, I mean, just great guy. And he said, now when he travels and it's the elevator example, he said, like, if he gets on the elevator and, you know, the, a woman's on there and she had pushed floor three and he's on floor three, he'll push floor two, or he'll just do whatever he can to just make her feel comfortable. Cause now he understands what she might be thinking. Now she might not, but he is just aware. He's just more aware. And then if, um, if someone were to walk to the room, you know, we coach that you, you have someone walk you to your room, not to your door, but to your hallway maybe. And then you walk them, you watch them walk to your room. And then we had, you know, the males and females were talking about it. Like, yes, I would definitely walk you to your hallway and you say, you know, give me a, a wave when you get to your door. So I know you're safe and in there, but not walking actually to the door. And so it just, I think it helps most of the males in this particular class, they just had a big aha moment. They didn't realize all the things that, you know, women have to think every time they walk to their car, if they're okay. And they just act differently now. And, and I think are so supportive and it was really helpful. Now the class we did just for males, um, we had our, our owner taught it. Um, he is a male, uh, and it was a little different because, you know, most of the assaults that men get into, they're, they're physical. They're usually for stuff or for power. Right. And so he did teach kind of how to, how to calm a situation down um, and those types of things. But then he also teaches, you know, these are the types of things that, you know, this takes a different twist, but it, it came off so well because a lot of men can get in trouble in the workplace for things they didn't do. They actually didn't do right. And so he talks about how do you, how do you make sure you're careful in the workplace? Because you can get yourself into some situations where you didn't do anything and you are innocent, but now you're in this situation because, you know, alcohol was involved and maybe, you know, so he actually talks about those types of things to keep yourself kind of out of trouble that you never even intended to get into, but, um, it's a different world now. So, um, that is a shorter class for men because it, it is more physical and, and about things, but it's, it's good. And, you know, after I think all the men that attended, most of them were like, what are you going to teach me? Give me a break. Right. 
But then at the end, they were all like leaning in and engaged and having really good discussion about how to keep themselves safe in the workplace these days too. Yeah. And it was really good conversation. Yeah, I think any guy would like to learn a few new moves. So yeah, that that definitely resonates. Um, I wanted to go back actually all the way to the beginning when Jess, you mentioned that, you know, HR people, they're listening. Why should I, you know, why are we talking about this necessarily? And one of the things that came to mind right when you said that is companies as, you know, we talked about war for talent and retaining people. Companies are starting to develop their reputations based on how much they care about their employees, not just from a professional standpoint, but an overall well-being. And to me, this fits right in with that. If I'm a company listening and I don't offer something like this, um, I don't know if there's a single employee that wouldn't feel appreciated that their company is thinking about them, not directly relating to job performance or what they do within the building, but in their own lives and things that they can pass on. So I wanted to share that because I think if if you're listening and you're not already doing something like this, <clears throat> there's nothing to lose by doing it and a ton to gain. Chris, I know that most of our listenership is professionals, but I know that there are a lot of parents that listen to this podcast and they might be thinking about the services that you provide to children and maybe their kids go to a school that not me is not working with. So can you share with our, our parents who listen to the What the HR podcast, you know, how how they can maybe get their kids involved and what it what it looks like or feels like for that kind of kindergarten, maybe elementary aged student, if you will. Sure. I my my passion is with the the corporate groups, but my my heart is with the kids because I, this is something that is trained, right? And you need practice. So the earlier kids can learn this information. And the more frequently they can practice it, you know, by the time they're out in the world, you know, when they're 17, 18, going off into their lives, they practice it so much that it's just second nature. And that's really what we want to happen. So the earlier, the better. Um, We do train from pre-K all the way through, um, you know, 12th grade, males and females. And so it, it just grows upon itself. So it starts with a 15 minute really fun kind of sing-songy video um, that is made that we facilitate, but is made for kids like sitting in a circle, you know, talking about their swimsuit area and talking about their feelings. And because we want them to learn about their feelings. So they know when they're feeling nervous and what does that look like? Like you might, you might be laughing when you're nervous, you know, you, you might be sweating when you're nervous, you might, your teeth might be chattering. So it's very adorable, really cute. Um, it's 15 minutes long because that's all we have and they're not going to pay attention anymore. But to them, you know, I think as adults, we have trouble talking about sex or sexual assault or all these things to our, to our kids because we have in our mind like how horrible they are, but they don't. And so they're complete sponges. So we take a little bit and then each year we just add a little bit more. Um, By the time the kids are in eighth grade, they are getting the exact same content the adults are. And that's changed. You know, 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. But now because they carry little computers in their hands um, and are seeing porn by the age of nine, I mean, that's a fact. We have to give the eighth grade and up the same content an adult would get because they are dealing with the same things. And they also are 
away from their home. They're, you know, at a camp, at a sleepover, um, at an athletic event, whatever it is, at a shopping mall. And so whenever they're away from the home, we can't protect them anymore. So we have to give them the same information that an adult gets. And so um, by eighth grade, they're getting the same thing, you know, any of us would get, but it's all um, age appropriate. Mm -hmm. And the parents are very involved um, if they choose to be. Um, but we love, I mean, that's our sweet spot is dealing with the schools, obviously. And then it, the, the key is, is if they get it every year throughout the school, by the time they graduate in 12th grade, like they should be ready to go and are hopefully teaching others. So we'll, as we're wrapping up the podcast, we'll ask you to share, you know, how our listeners can connect with you. But for those parents that are listening who have their kids in a school where this program doesn't exist and maybe a parent listening is, is trying to get not me into their school, but you know, to their dismay, it doesn't work. Um, can they work just directly with not me? Like maybe they wanted to pull their community together, their kids of like ages and, you know, their parents to do something at a local community center, for example, is, is that possible? Yes. We do a lot of private groups as well. Definitely. Perfect. Well, good. Well, in wrapping things up today, we always like to give our listeners um, at least one, if not more takeaways. So if you could maybe close things up by sharing with them, maybe the top two to three um, things that they could do should somebody be in a position where they feel unsafe and, or are maybe being assaulted. Yeah, sure. Um, then your number one tool, and we teach the kids this and we teach the adult men this, and this is what the Navy SEALs are taught as well, is to trust your feelings. And you trust your gut, your intuition. Um, we call it a creep meter through the Not Me programming, but you trust that feeling. Um, as women, we usually we lose that feeling, but we have it. And you just always trust it. And, you know, our owner will say, if it's good enough for a Navy SEAL, it should be good enough for you. They will abort a mission if it doesn't feel right. And so anytime you feel something that's awkward, you need to listen to that and trust it and get away. Um, the second thing I'll say is that, you know, we train that your personal safety comes first at all times. So you, everything else is out the window. Um, if you, you know, scream at someone to get away from you in a parking lot, it ends up being your old buddy from, you know, back in fifth grade and you're embarrassed. That's okay. Cause whenever your, your personal safety is at risk, you have to speak up and you have to um, protect yourself at all times and all of your, your PC, you know, being politically correct or making sure you don't hurt somebody's feelings that all goes out the window when personal safety is at risk. And then the last thing I just want to say, um, since I have this audience and I, I imagine there are a lot of women or people who know women on the call, it's just, it's not your fault. Um, if you're, if you have been assaulted or if you are assaulted, it is not your fault. Nobody asked for that. Um, so it's never your fault. Don't ever blame yourself, but there are so many things that we can learn now to prevent it from happening. And, um, that's the key, but sometimes it's out of our hands. And so I just want everyone to know that it's not your fault. Those are great. And I know I said we are going to wrap things up and we are, but when you were talking about number two, which was the personal safety and you had talked about 
yelling at somebody in a dark parking ramp. You know, you had shared a story with Mike and I when we were prepping for this podcast, and I would love for you to share it with our listeners. I can't remember if it was a personal friend or somebody that participated in the program that shared the story about a male who was kind of walking kind of quick on the back of her heels and what that individual did and what that conversation then in turn happened after she did what she did. Yeah. Yes. That wasn't me. That was one of the, I mean, most of our stories are from our trainers, but she was walking in a parking lot, you know, so got her car, got out of her car, had her keys, had her bag, was walking in the parking lot. And then she heard footsteps behind her. We all know that feeling. I mean, for women, it's so frightening. Cause you think, should I turn? I want to turn around because I'm scared, but I don't want to turn around because then I look scared. And I mean, all these thoughts go through our head and like, we teach you to act, turn around. Mm-hmm. And so she had taken the training. So someone was walking very briskly behind her. She turned around and lots of swear words and was like, get, you know, just screaming, like, get away from me, back off. Like I have mace, whatever. That's what we train you to do. Like you're, you stick up for yourself. Your personal safety is at risk. And the man, I happened to be a gentleman and he's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Kelly, Kelly, I, you know, it's me. And he, I'm so, so, so sorry. So he actually like knew her cause they worked in the same place and she was totally embarrassed cause she knew the guy, but he was really embarrassed too. And so the conversation that they had after where he said, I am so sorry. I didn't even think that me, like I'm rushing to a meeting, me walking fast at night behind you would scare you. Mm-hmm. And I should have thought of that. And so it ended up being funny and then they shared it with everybody else. And it was very embarrassing for both of them because she swore a lot and he saw a different side of her, but it's, that's how we want you to behave. And then both of them learned something from it. Mm -hmm. Um, She didn't die from embarrassment, you know, and he learned that he has to be really aware of her space and how she's feeling. So it ended up being, you know, a great thing in the end. Um, and she was wrong, but she acted appropriately. And that's, we were really proud of her for that. Yeah. Great story. Thank you for sharing that. And you had mentioned that she yelled, I have mace. And I would like to share with our listeners that I walked away with um, two purchased items from my not me training. One was mace and another one was like a beat stick that I used to put in my uh, my suitcase with me when I traveled for work, which is now in the um, nightstand in my bedroom. So um, you guys do offer some products. I think you even had um, tasers, if I remember correctly, and maybe there were a few other items too. So know that those um, are available through the Not Me program as well. So Chris, thank you again. Can you please share with our listeners how they can connect with you um, if they're interested or how they can learn more about Not Me? Sure. And thank you again, Jess and Michael, for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, And we do teach about personal safety devices or devices as as well. Um, They are on our site, but we actually teach you how to use them if the company is okay with that. Um, But our website is notmetraining.com. And you can see all of our information there. There's a contact us form on there that you can fill out as well. If you want to reach out to me directly, if that's easier for you, I'm at Chris, C-H-R-I-S at notmetraining.com. So you can reach out to me there personally and happy to answer any questions you might have. If you have interest in the school side of things, you can also reach out to me and I will just help um, direct you over to that that side. Um, But I can be the conduit between all of those departments. So thanks again for having me.
Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcsherm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, please use code WHATTHEHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.